Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Matthew, it is well into the holiday season. Did you have a nice Thanksgiving? We did. We did. Yeah, a lot of food. Um, just got married a couple weeks ago, as most of you know. And yeah. um, goodness gracious, all of all of our family is local, except we have a cousin in Texas. So both Haley and my family, local, which is awesome, but it does mean um, so many meals with people over the holidays, <laughs> yeah. which is a gift. I mean, that is something that we are so thankful for. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, just new rhythms, getting into that. But, yeah, wonderful time. What about you, Ryan? Uh We went on a trip. Uh, we went on a cruise, actually. So that was a first for Thanksgiving. We had a great time. So Yeah, that's awesome. And we also have a guest in the studio yeah. today, one of our very own, Miss Ginger Sprecher. And she is here, and she's in the studio, and she's going to be helping us out a little bit on part of the show, and, and we're going to be explaining part of her role at, at, at our firm and, and how she helps clients. But hey, Ginger. Yeah, welcome. Hi, guys. It's so great to be here this week to uh, be back with my Richard Young Associates work family instead of working remotely. So it's uh, great to be here. Yeah. And so Ginger, she does work remotely and, and you're living where currently? Outside of Louisville, Kentucky. Nice. Yeah. So she's down for the week, just visiting, um, getting some some things done down here. And it's been great having her around the office the last couple of days. So yeah, glad to have you here, Ginger. Ginger, Thanks. how long have you been with our company? Since 2017. 2017. Nice. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, that's okay. longer than both Ryan and I. Yeah. Well. So that's that's awesome. That's that's very good. Well, well thanks definitely. for being here. Absolutely. Thank um, you. So by the way, I'm Ryan Borders, and I'm a certified financial planner and Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. And I'm Matthew Travis. I'm also a financial planner here at the firm and have been here for about five years now. Yeah, and we're just excited to have everybody listening to us today. You know, we're up every Friday morning uh, on any of the podcast platforms. Feel free to check us out. You can also go to moneymd.net. If you want to see old episodes or even submit the question of the week, please feel free to do so. But every Friday morning, check out our episode. And yeah, and we got some good topics today. We're going to be talking about fraud. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, this is an article from Charles Schwab, uh, which is where we uh, hold our clients' money. And it's a very good article talking about um, how to keep your accounts secure. And really, yeah. there's there's 10 tips that this article goes into. Uh, but this is so common, uh, unfortunately common in our in our lives that we, we need to be aware of this. Even if you think you're distant from you know, um, compromising your identity or anything like that, you'd be surprised how easy it is to to be defrauded. So that's a really good article. would encourage you to listen to that this morning. Yeah, and then we're also going to talk about budgeting apps, basically the best ones that are rated based off of nerd wallets. Uh, just assumptions or just really looking through, hey, what are the best budgeting apps for 2024? The reason for that is mint.com is going to be no more, and a lot of people use that. So it's really good to just see, hey, what are the other alternatives especially for those who use Mint, or maybe maybe you've never budgeted before or used a platform, it might be a good time to start and make it one of your main goals for 2024. Yeah. So some good topics today will be really interesting. Um, but yeah, we're first going to start with the financial fact of the week. And get this, guys. So for this year, you know, both gold and Bitcoin have really been popping off. So spot gold prices briefly hit an all-time high, which was over $2,100 an ounce. That was Sunday night. That was... December 3rd, and this past week, uh, gold futures hit an intraday record by trading at 
about just a little over 2,152 through, uh, but they both later pulled back. Um, so yeah, and Bitcoin has also surged um, this year as well. So it's at 41,000 for the first time since April, 2022. So we've seen uh, Bitcoin kind of come back from its lows as well as gold. So kind of interesting, kind of gives you a taste of how people are feeling about everything. And a lot of times people retreat to things like gold when they're not sure about you know the stock market or the economy. Yeah, and so, but one one interesting uh, tidbit on that, Ryan. Though the the prices have come back and they've recovered and they've kind of hit some peaks with gold and, and Bitcoin is has resurged a little bit. If anything, this should prove just how volatile these asset classes are and how we really don't recommend people investing in these specific securities, if you want to call them that, or currencies. Um, and the reason is, you know, they, so Bitcoin hit its high a couple of years ago, around 63,000, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, and since then it is, it has done nothing but decrease and it, it has increased recently, but, um, these asset classes are so volatile, yeah. there's no predictability in them. And so, yes, it has recovered and maybe people are thinking, oh, that's going to keep going up from this point. And it very well may, and also it may not. And the, and the reason we don't invest is there's no proven track record of the returns of these asset classes. So, yes, it has recovered. It has gone up. It has gold has hit its high, uh, but there's no predictability with these uh, asset classes. And, and that's why we don't include them in our portfolios for the majority of our clients. Yeah. And the long term track record just isn't there. And so it's never proven itself. So great lesson there. Uh, it's not always best to do what a lot of other people are doing. You know, following the herd is not you know necessarily the best idea for you. Uh, so interesting financial fact. But we're first going to now dive into uh, ten tips to keeping your accounts secure. So talking about fraud. Yeah. So cyber fraud may be as old as the internet itself, um, but it's also it's a growing industry. In 2020, the FBI recorded close to 800,000 cyber crime complaints in the U.S. alone. And this is a 69% increase from the year before. Losses from those frauds totaled close to $4 billion. Uh, the pandemic has given bad actors a lot of new opportunities. Uh, and more of our lives are being conducted online than ever before without our having thought through the security implications of that change. And so while the best practices for keeping your accounts safe are ever-evolving, they, they do boil down to some common sense um, solutions as well as just a healthy dose of suspicion when living and working online. So with that in mind, um, here's, some, here's 10 tips um, that we'd recommend. This again comes from Schwab um, you know, for, for cybersecurity. Yeah, so the first is going to be think before you click. Um, so more than 3 billion emails pretending to be from individuals or entities that recipients know and trust are sent every day. Okay, so that's a lot. <laughs> wow. uh, one wrong click could drain a financial account, expose your identity, um, you know, install malware on your devices. These so-called phishing scams uh, successfully trick too many people into uh, just revealing high, highly sensitive information, mm. um, including credit card information and passwords. So you got to be very careful about that. Just because it looks legit, you got to do some investigating before you click. If there's ever a link in an email, mm -hmm. don't be click. Don't be quick. To click, <laughs> that's hard to say, right? <laughs> PSA. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and really just investigate because, yeah, you yeah. get those all the time. And a lot of times the wording is just a little off. It doesn't sound like that person. And then if you look at the actual email address, it's, you know, 
quite fraudulent looking. So. Yeah, that's right. And this is, you know, kind of going into this next this next part of it is, you know, double check the email address, um, which can be different by just a single character from the account that you are familiar with. So, you know, uh, double, you know, clicking on the email address, seeing what who, who it's from before you click on a link or something in there is very good. Hovering over any links without clicking on it will reveal the URL that's underlying it. Um, you know, that's that's a very important way to not click on it, but to see what's there. Um, also activating your emails, spam filters and increasing those um, can be very helpful. And above all, um, you know, if a company ever tells you, hey, you know, call us back at this number, it is very important to not <laughs> immediately call them back unless you know that's the true number, but to instead Google the number, Google the company, and say, hey, how are we okay? You know, Charles Schwab asked me to call them back. Let's Google Schwab's number and call them back at that number. Um, that is a very easy way that they can then um, get you in their system if you call back the number that they give you. Absolutely. And the second's going to be step up your security. So, financial firms in particular have implemented security features aimed at preventing cybercrime. So, Think through like security alerts via email or text that can notify you um, of everything from individual transactions to changes to your password and other you know vital information. And the second's a really big one is the two-factor authentication. So uh, this which typically involves sending randomly generated numbers to your phone or email, which you must enter before you can access the account. That extra step alone can really be critical to preventing unauthorized access to your accounts. You know, at RYA, at our firm, uh, we set up um, an internal security measure to protect against uh, this fraud, like linking your bank account, uh, your bank accounts to your accounts with us, you know, so that way the money can only be sent to your bank on file, as well as calling to confirm suspicious requests. Uh, but I would say the biggest lesson is make sure you set up two-factor authentication for all your accounts. That's going to be just an extra level of security. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Uh, this third one would be to be password smart. And the first rule of passwords is never share passwords, right? We just don't want to be um, you know, loose on that. And while most people know not to use simple passwords like 1234 or their birth date or their social security number, uh, creating strong, hard-to-guess passwords that don't use personal information is very important. Password managers can create, store, and even autofill unique passwords for as many sites as you choose. So whether you opt for a password manager or not, be sure that the, that you password protect your laptop, your iPhone, your tablet, as well all of these uh, you know electronic devices. Because uh, these days there's no greater repository of personal information than our devices. So making sure those are secure with strong passwords is very important. Yeah, a couple tips on that too, just from my end. Uh, you know, Google passwords. You can actually have randomly generated passwords and stored on Google, which are you know, very safe and encrypted as well as on your iPhone, the password, you know, that you can have randomly generated as well on there and autofill and those are encrypted as well. And so then the advantage of that is you can actually have a different password for every site you use, never have the same one. So mm. if one does get hacked, they can't go to other areas and use it. Mm. Um, I actually do that myself. So I don't have, I don't have the same password for any of my accounts. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, the fourth is keep your devices up to date. This is very important. So usually when you get a software update on your phone, on your computer, the majority of the time it's actually for security purposes. They're finding something that failed. Um, 
they're finding some some way to help prevent something that happened. So a lot of times it's security updates. You just want to make sure all your devices are up to date um, and just make sure you are, yeah, because a lot of times you realize, oh, I've had five updates and didn't do it. And a lot of them are security-based rather than just performance-based. Yep. You actually read the information on there. Yeah, that's good. And this next one kind of goes along along with that. It's to make sure that your your home network is fortified. And so make sure you don't overlook the internet connection that powers your home with newer routers, um, you know, which are devices that stream data from your internet provider. Um, these tend to have stronger encryption settings and offer automatic updates, which manufacturers may discontinue for older models. Your router also should be secured with a strong password, um, you know, as well as your uh, internet-enabled doorbells, speakers, thermostats, and other devices um, you should have passwords and you should be thinking about um, how to secure those um, those devices in your house. Absolutely. And then protect yourself in public. So cyber criminals can easily set up decoy Wi-Fi networks containing the name of an airport, hotel, restaurant, whatever it may be. Um, one way to avoid falling victim to fraudsters uh, when accessing the internet in public is to tether your laptop or tablet you know, to a personal hotspot that's a great idea. You know, it's a feature on your smartphone, so you can actually use the Wi-Fi from your phone, um, the cell towers, and that just no, you know, that's obviously your phone. It's just another level of security. Uh, number seven is talk with your children. Yeah, this is very important. So while most children grow up with the internet, they may not be aware of its potential pitfalls or their own vulnerabilities. So start early. Just kind of be have frank conversations with them. Explain to them, you know, internet safety. And I would say that's just in general, not just in fraud stuff, but in, in all areas, you know, you got to communicate a lot about the internet with your kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, super important. Uh, very good. This n- number eight is um, talk with your children's number seven and also elderly relatives is number eight. Um, you know, as we went over COVID, the, the emotional uh, relationships were decreased for a large, um, for, uh, for a number of people. And so talking over the phone or online can be a way that, elderly people can really connect with people. And so even informing elderly relatives that, hey, you know, uh, if someone were to call you and ask for help or to say that you're me or something else, that uh, that it's not always the case. And, and maybe you think through, what does that look like for our family to, um, to know we're talking to someone that's actually in our family and also to protect against emotional ploys to say, hey, I'm in need. Can you please help me? Uh, and how to determine if that's fraudulent or not. Uh, is very important, and 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 honestly, um, you know, being being gracious and gentle in these conversations with elderly people is very important because we don't want to look down and say, you know, you don't understand this, you you can never understand this, just don't do it. We want to we want to teach, we want to train and equip people to think uh, rightly about situations, and the part of that is is to inform and to say, hey, this is a new thing that's going on, and and we're aware of this, and we want to we want to help you think through this well. So. Talking with older relatives is is serving them very well uh, long term. Yeah. And number nine is you want to stay informed. So you can sign up for consumer fraud alerts from the Federal Trade Commission. This is a good way uh, just to kind of be in the know. Also, make sure you're checking your credit score, you know, at least annually. Make sure um, you're just, everything looks right on that, all your accounts. You can also do things like a credit freeze. Um that's another way to protect yourself, but just just stay informed. Make sure you're monitoring just your credit score, knowing what accounts are out there and your name. Um, 
Very important. Yeah. Yeah, and this last one, number 10, is to follow your instincts. If an offer seems too good to be true, it probably is. Uh, Also, no reputable company will reach out electronically to request sensitive personal information. That's another red flag. Um, Again, you know, just using common sense in a lot of these situations um, is very important for people um, as you're engaging online, as you have an email address, as you have a phone number, um, being aware that this is out there and, and not everyone has good intentions when they reach out to you is very important. Yeah, and so finally, what do you do if you become, you know, a victim of cybercrime? So first, you want to report suspicious activity to all your financial institutions. This is your bank, your brokerages, your credit card companies, Social Security Administration. Uh, You want to let them know, um, especially if you suspect that your Social Security number has been compromised, you need to let them know. Change all your passwords on all compromised accounts. Um, So you want to do that quickly. Report the crime to your local police. Uh, They'll make a police report. as well as you want to let the FBI's Internal Crimes Complaint Center know. Um, very important to make sure you report that. Request fraud alerts as well as a credit freeze to prevent further fraud from all three all the three credit reporting agencies. And then finally, you know, remain vigilant in reviewing account statements, scanning devices for malware. You know, virus protection software is very important. Monitor your credit reports, and yeah, you'll just have to keep your eye out. And yeah, it's never fun, but you know, hopefully you can prevent it. But if you if that happens, those are the things you need to do. Uh, so timely article, very good. Just always want to make sure you're on top of that. Yeah, and I'll just say, you know, if you, if you ever have questions as a client or someone listening to this podcast of, hey, I don't, I don't know if this is real or if this is fake or if this is um, legit, please ask us. We're, we're not experts, but we do. We're, our firm receives hundreds of emails every day. And so we're very, yeah. we're very attuned to fake emails and fake attachments and what that looks like. If you're ever concerned about security for your accounts, please um, come to us first, ask us questions, and we'd be happy to look into that with you uh, if you're ever suspicious of that. Yeah, a good rule of thumb is always get a second pair of eyes on anything. Just get a second opinion from family or friends just to see, um, you know, they might catch something you missed. I would say always have someone double check if there's any doubt at all. Sure. It's a great topic. Um, so now we're going to move into the question of the week. Yeah, and this question, it's a good question. And Ginger is going to help us answer this. And this is, you know, I'll, I'll say at least a part of what she does um, for our firm, which is which is very helpful. Um, but, you know, transitioning from TD Ameritrade to Schwab, some things have changed. And so this question is, um, how do clients update beneficiaries on Schwab? What are the different means for that? What are some things that we need to be looking for um, as we're doing this as a client? Yeah, that's a great question. One of the things that I do for my job is to uh, check alerts that come through from Schwab to us about address changes and any changes to the account. And whenever I see a beneficiary update, I always check to make sure that um, how it compares with the documentation that we have on file But since we've moved to Schwab, our clients have the option to update their beneficiaries online. Mm -hmm. And uh, we see a lot of people who don't really understand the terminology, particularly the terminology for per stirpes. Mm -hmm. And so we really would like for you, even if you feel comfortable updating it online, to just run it past your advisor so they can look at all the different scenarios that might be affected by the choices that you think are the right choices for you. 
because once you pass away, whatever you intended mm. doesn't matter. It's what is on your documentation and what you have put online. So mm. really recommend that you talk with your advisor before you do any changes to uh, your accounts online. Yeah, that's great, Ginger. And it's it's a it's a benefit that Schwab is allowing clients to to do more in their accounts, but also, like you said, um, the the beneficiaries bypass the will. And so, and we can't change that once a person passes away. So whatever a client puts on there now, that is the final say. And so that is a really good point to, you know, to reaching out to your client, to your advisor and asking them. It's called contract law. So that's what, what that is. And yeah. That over the will. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that would be my uh, best suggestion. Also, I do see address updates and phone number updates. Mm. So if you ever change your address online, but don't let us know, you'll probably get a text or an email <laughs> from me saying, are you the one that changed this address? And we do that to make sure that it was you and mm. that nothing has been compromised on your accounts. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, so it's interesting. So you guys on the podcast, you hear advisors all the time and you deal with advisors um, for the planning, but we have an incredible team behind us that quite frankly, we could not do our job without, and Ginger is part of that team. So um, thank you, Ginger. Thank you. Uh, to everyone thank you. listening. We are so thankful for, for what you do. Awesome. Great question. Good to know. Uh, and finally, we're going to end with our last article. So this is the best budgeting apps for 2024. So Matthew, this is from NerdWallet and New York Times. Um, and so the main thing is, you know, Mint, as you know, Mint.com is a very popular budgeting app. Is no more. It's going to be uh, Intuit, who owns them, is no longer going to be supporting that management tool online, and it will cease to exist. And I've been using Mint for years, actually. So I have to find a new budgeting app. So oh, I thought, well. hey, um, you know, maybe it'd be good to talk through the best budgeting apps. At least this is according to Nerd Wallet. Yeah. You know what they suggest. Um, but you know, plenty of people don't bother with these tools which can help with everything from tracking debt to keeping running totals of your net worth. And according to a recent survey, it looks like about 41% of people don't use any money management app or website aside from their banks. So a lot of people don't actually budget. And so this is really to kind of talk through going into 2024, if you have meant and need to switch to something else, or this is for those who maybe have never had, you know, a budgeting tool. Um, we're going to go through some of the top ones you can use and, and we'll go from there. Sound good? Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, so the first is called YNAB. So it's short for You Need a Budget. It's for, you know, hands-on, zero-based budgeting. So the reason it's recommended, you know, this app is designed so that users plan ahead for their financial decisions rather than track past transactions. So YNAB follows the zero-based budgeting system which has you make a plan for every dollar you earn. So mm -hmm. very, very in-depth. So as soon as you get paid, you tell YNAB how much of your income should be, you know, should go towards various categories, including spending, savings, and debt. Uh, the idea is that you become more intentional with your money when you're, you know, prompted to actively decide what to do with it. So mm -hmm. a zero-based budget. With all this decision-making, YNAB is about as hands-on as you can get. So to help users, you know, trek up the learning curve, YNAB's websites offers many educational resources. Um, YNAB allows you to link your checking and savings account, which is important, uh, as well as your credit cards and loans. Um, so YNAB's really good, but you got to be very involved. So this is for more of the nerdy people out there that really want to be 
constantly checking their budget, moving things around. Um, it's just a little bit more hands-on. Uh, so here's why you may think twice about it. You have to be committed to keeping up with YNAB. By design, it works best for users, like I just said, who want to get hands-on um, and just planning everything out. Also, it costs about $15 a month, so it's got a decent price tag for it. Uh, you can try a you know 34-day trial, which is 34 days, not 30. Interesting. Um, and yeah, you can try it out. Uh, just looking at like the Apple Store rating as well as Google Store, it's pretty highly rated. 4.8 on Apple Store, 4.7 on Google Play. So it looks like people like it. But like I said, I think it takes a specific type of person to use that app. Yeah, that's right. So this next one is called Good Budget. Um, and it's for envelope budgeting. And so Good Budget is more than, it's more about planning for your finances and tracking previous transactions. Uh, this app is based on the envelope budgeting system. Um, if you're familiar with that, it's, it's where you can portion out your monthly income towards specific spending categories or envelopes. This app doesn't connect with your bank account, so you have to manually add account balances um, you know, to this app from your bank website, as well as cash amounts, debts, and income. Then you assign money to envelopes. You can access the app from your phone or the web, um, and there's a lot of resources online to help you with that. There is a free version that allows, you, um, that allows one account um, two devices and, and very limited envelopes. Um, there, and then there's also a paid version that allows unlimited envelopes and accounts uh, and up to five devices. So it just depends on what you'd like. But, um, you know, this would be a good, uh, a good resource if you're looking for kind of the, the online envelope system, um, if you're familiar with that. Yeah, absolutely. The third is every dollar for so this is for you know a very simple zero-based budgeting. So this is from the Ramsey organization. Um, I've, I've used this one before. Um, you know, this app offers a zero-based budgeting framework that's simpler and perhaps easier to manage than YNAB. So let's start with the straightforward free version of every dollar. You don't sync accounts, but rather manually enter income and outgoing money throughout the month. Um, you can categorize line items in your budget and set reminders for bill payments. And then there's also a premium paid version, and this just connects all your bank accounts and everything, um, which I would suggest doing. Um, you may want to think twice about it if, you know, the free version of every dollar is pretty bare bones and the premium version is pretty pricey. So we're looking at you can pay about $80 a year or about $18 a month. Um, you can do a free 14-day trial as well. So it's a little bit more expensive um, and, yeah. Overall, it's a great app, though. I've used it before. It's similar to Mint. I think a lot of people that use Mint are going to move to every dollar. Yeah. yeah, it's a good one. Um, yeah, know a lot of people who use that yeah. currently. Uh, this next one is Pocket Guard. Uh, it's, a, it's a simplified budgeting snapshot. Um, it doesn't offer a lot of the features of these other uh, apps or services, uh, but that's part of why some people like it. It's You can connect your bank account, credit cards, loans, and investments, and track bills. Um, and you can see how much you have left to spend after setting aside funds for necessities like bills and, and, and groceries. Um, Pocket Guard also tracks net worth and gives you the option to not link your accounts and instead to track your finances manually. Um, the paid version, Pocket Guard Plus, offers a debt payoff plan, uh, which is the, it has the option to export your transactions and other features. Um, this app does a lot of work for you, and that's good uh, for mostly hands-off experience, uh, but less so if you you know if you want to plan for your money. Um, so yeah, it's a good it's a good 
account. I've actually never heard of this one, but yeah. apparently it um, it has a lot of a simplified version of what these other these other options have. Yeah, absolutely. And the final one we're going to go over is just Honeydew. Uh, this is for budgeting with a partner. So Honeydew is designed so you and your partner can view both your financial picture in one app. Uh, both partners can sync bank accounts, credit card loans, um, investments. Um, the free budget app automatically categorizes expenses, but you're also able to create custom categories. Um, together, you can set up monthly limits on each of these categories, and Honeydew will alert you when your partner is nearing them. Hmm. I don't know if I like this one. Interesting um, conversations, I'm sure. Yeah, so. Honeydew also sends reminders for upcoming bills and lets you chat and send emojis, which I don't know the point of that either. But um, Yeah, so while you might want to think twice about it, uh, like a few other apps on our list, Honeydew um, leans more towards ref um, reflecting and learning about past transactions rather than planning ahead. Um, I would also say you could just you know, with your spouse, have the same login for your app and yeah. you don't need to see alerts. And I don't know. If you want to keep each other accountable, it's fine. Also, I think it could cause tension in your life. So probably maybe one of the other ones. Um, also, NerdWallet didn't include theirs, but they have like a free budgeting app. Hmm. They were trying not to be biased. So they have one. Check that out. There's many others out there. There's also a good old-fashioned spreadsheet if Ooh. you want to do it manually. Do you do a spreadsheet? I like those. I do a spreadsheet. Man. Excel. Ah. Okay. Well, that's good too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, you know, Matthew, the big thing here, it's important to budget. Okay. Everybody should have a budget. You need to know where all your, where, where your money's going and you need to have direction because that actually provides more freedom in your life when you actually give your money an assignment. Um, and so if you haven't budgeted before, you probably need to check it out, but also just want to make sure uh, if you're on mint that you have an alternative and don't fall you know, off the budgeting train. Yeah, yeah, so very important. Yeah, that's right. And budgeting just in general, Ryan, like you said, um, it's not a restrict, it shouldn't be restrictive necessarily. Um, at, at our firm, we view it as a spending plan and it gives you the freedom to spend uh, money that you, where you want to spend it. Oftentimes we can just spend money and get to the end of the month and go, where did it go? Yep. And a budget says, well, I want to be really intentional with, with giving or I want to be really intentional with saving for this expense um, or you know I want to be here in five years and a budget can free you up to get to those places whereby you cannot get there without that discipline so budget is not don't think of it as a negative think of it as an opportunity to to accomplish what you want with your finances 100 percent, very important so two good articles today um, we're going to close now with our prescription of the week yeah, and this is really timely. Um, it's open enrollment now, and it is winding down open enrollment over the next couple of weeks. Um, and so how do we, we've talked about this some on the podcast, but this specifically determining, you know, high deductible plan versus a low deductible plan and how to think through the deductible size. It's really important that if you choose a, any size deductible that you generally can afford that deductible from cash. And I say generally because if you don't have cash and you have brokerage accounts or other liquid money, that'd be fine. But if you don't have the cash or liquid money to pay for this deductible, then we would generally recommend thinking through having a lower deductible plan because um, if you need it, and that's why we have health insurance is to cover the extreme cases, if you needed the full amount, would you be able to pay for that deductible from current expenses, from current uh, assets, or would you need to pull out debt for that? 
if you need to pull out debt, then we would say, hey, let's let's go ahead and pause these other goals like saving for retirement or um, you know, saving for college or paying off your house early. And let's make sure we have the cash set aside in a bank account that is your emergency fund that covers your deductible on your health insurance. If you have that, then that can afford you a higher deductible, which can lower your premiums each month, which can be very good. But making sure you have that cash um, set aside for that is very important as you're picking these plans. Absolutely. Don't wait too long to get this done. It is time to do it. And a very important thing to have because, um, yeah, medical expenses get very high. And so you want to make sure you're covered, make sure you find the right plan for you. So great prescription. Well, this has been this week's edition of MoneyMD. Uh, please tune in next week on MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check out our website, like I just said, MoneyMD.net, and send us your questions or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. We just hope you have a great holiday season. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of the week. specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in the broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.